I'm recording. Hey, all. Welcome back to Chapter Chumps. We're your chumps, here to talk some chapters. Today, we are going to be discussing Chapter 4 and 5 of Book 2 of The Two Towers by J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, we are, we are, you know, on the home stretch. We are pretty, 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 pretty close to being done. Just a few more uh, weeks of chapter discussion left, and then, um, you know, then we're done with Lord of the Rings. Then we're done. We'll have done it. We will. Have There's nothing else after all of Lord of the Rings <laughs> because we have decided that we're not going to be reading Return of the King. Yeah, you know, it's just more fun. Not really. It's kind of like when we finished reading uh, the Dune saga, yeah. and it was like, oh, you know, do we, do we want to read, like, Sandworms and Hunters of Dune? Nah, you know, let's exactly. just... Yeah, it's like, that's not real. Let's, let's keep it open-ended, you yeah, know? Return of the King is like the... the it's it's not it's not the real um, series, <laughs> you know? It's, I don't uh, recognize it. No, because, because I mean, people... You know, as is commonly known... An imposter of J R R R J R R R R R R Yeah. Um, R J J. R J J. Tolkien uh, wrote it because um, he did die in a car crash between or right after finishing Two Towers. And you can ask Sad. you can ask any QAnon um, <laughs> follower, and they will tell you the same thing. <laughs> First, you'll have to find one, but if you ask them, they yes. will tell you that. So. It was one of the first examples of the government. Um, Don't uh, worry, they'll they'll duplicating. They'll find you. <laughs> oh boy. So, anyways, yeah, we uh, we are getting close to finishing up the two towers, um, and it kind of feels like we've had like a really strong stretch of chapters in the two towers lately. And then um, I don't know what you guys are gonna think, but you got I two shit sandwiches. <laughs> I, I kind of felt like. Um, these were on the slower side. That's all. Um, not that they're I would bad. Agree with the, I would agree with slower side, yes. Um, yeah. But there were some surprises I was not expecting. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, there, as always, there, there's going to be a, a good amount to break down and discuss. Um, and uh, that's that's what's on the, uh, the docket here today, on the agenda, the itinerary, as it were. Um... And, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, the first chapter is called Of Herbs and Stewed Rabbit. So already, you know, we're salivating. We, we're just that, like, ooh, yes. tasty, tasty rabbit. That made you hunger for a bit of Coney, Coney right? Coney, yes. Yeah, Coney <laughs> 2012. Yeah. <laughs> We're back oh to that. God. Yep, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, "Yummy, gimme, gimme." I really was like, "What the fuck?" Like, I understand just from the context that Sam is talking about the rabbit here, but like, what the fuck is a coney? Like, yeah, it, it must be some some English slang for like a young rabbit or something. Does, does I, kinda, I like you. I was just going off context yeah. clues. Does it kind of sound like a slur a little bit? It a little it, bit. Yeah. yeah, I don't. Yeah. Why is that? Like, it doesn't uh, sound. It doesn't seem like you should say that word. No, you know? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I would not. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. Public. 
I mean, um, I think rabbits are allowed to say it, right? Well, yeah, of course, that's how it works, right? But answering like, ducks with hobbits, <laughs> but with hobbits, it's like that's a no go. Like exactly, that's there's a pretty yeah. clear boundary. I mean, you know, look look at like in it's it's the same as in our world where we you know certain uh, subsets of people can't say certain words, and that's okay, just how it is, you know. It's the way it is. It's just the way it is. What a start to this episode. Yeah, you know, I think that's it's it's fine. You know. Yeah, Um, I mean, there there's there's reasons for that. I mean, I I can. There's like really big important reasons for that. You know, I I can say the the slur for Irish people. I'm not going. What to, is that? I'm not going to on the podcast. Not going to say. Oh, it, but, but you could, could say it. But I could say it. I could say it. You sure you don't want to? Because I don't even. Does it have to do with like potatoes? No, no. Taters. Taters. Do they call them taters? They, they call yes. They call <laughs> Irish people taters. That's actually. By the way, I'm pretty, I'm pretty damn Irish myself, so oh, it's okay. Yeah. We all are. Yes, yes. Yeah. We all we all have the past. We have we have the tater past. <laughs> <laughs> good for us you yeah, know yeah it's, it's nice it's nice yeah gee I, who could have told told you me that connor kelly is an irishman <laughs> <laughs> that's true it's true you know we I, still should... your, I still have souvenirs for you guys from ireland you guys got to get over here at some point oh oh yeah yeah totally i mean like hey when we when we uh, are done reading and we are watching uh the peter jackson movie which totally Listeners, you can look forward to um, our discussion. Not if you want to watch the movie, you should just go do that yourself. Not, we can't. We no, don't have any rights to share the movie. You, no, no, no. Because <laughs> they're all invited to your house, Josh. We can we can watch with all of our listeners <laughs> together. And the address is they're invited in to listen. The address is the the hyperlink that they can follow to the podcast, in which we will discuss the movie together from my house. I gotta memorize your address because I can't I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. To be fair, I could I can never memorize your address either. I I have to text you almost every time. True. <laughs> I've got Connor's well, address memorized. It's a bunch of numbers. It's like too many numbers. Yeah, like it three, sounds three, like you really got it memorized. Like three bunch of numbers in one. Yeah, bunch, bunch of, of numbers. numbers. There's a street name. The street name. But no, yeah. not not like the normal amount of numbers. It's like it's mo- it's more than usual. Like it's two two separate numbers in one. Not like one big yeah. number. It's like two separate numbers. Like oh, yeah, it's, no, like, it's, it's like yeah, it's like they're, they're it's like three numbers. Yeah, yeah hyphenated. That's, hyphenated. Yeah. Exactly. It's like fucked up. Yeah, uh, it's dumb. It's dumb living in the city. I don't. I'm over it. You know. It's like get, then get there's a the letter at here. then there's a letter at the end, and the street's a number and. You're at, you're at the corner of Number Street and yeah, no one knows. And, and, and Yoletta Street. No one knows. People from Letter New York Avenue. City love to say like, "Oh, you can't get lost because it's like a grid or whatever." It's like you can get lost. I don't know where the fuck I am. Yeah, you know, yeah. fuck your so. grid. <laughs> All right. You can, yeah. Let's talk about some rabbits and stuff. Uh, I want to talk about and herbs. herbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, let's we'll start with the herbs. What's herbs your, let, let, let's 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 go around. What's your favorite <laughs> herb, Connor? What's your favorite herb? Uh, rosemary. It's mm, a good one. Joshua, I'm too white for this question. Dan, <laughs> there we Con- go. Josh passes. <laughs> Connor, Connor. Oh my you, god, you failed. Such a Gar- I'm gonna say garlic. Such a tater answer, honestly. <laughs> wow, yeah. garlic's an herb, right? Sure. Or is that considered a spice? I don't know. Um, my, um, my my favorite herb so. is is spice oh. melange. 
Not in the cinnamon I got you for Christmas. From, not an herb. Oh no, some 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 uh, people would consider it an herb. Well, I, if you're I, including I only yourself in that count, then no, yeah, I guess there's there's definitely a, a scene in um, in Children of Dune where Stilgar uh, calls it an herb. <laughs> you want to go look it up? I, you know, it's there. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna go back and uh, listen, re-listen to all of Dune Dudes and see what I can yeah, find. I'll yeah. get back to you on that. Perfect. Let me know. All right. So this chapter here, chapter four, um, Sam and Frodo are continuing their journey into Mordor, uh, following Gollum. And where where we last left off, they they made it to the Black Gate, which is like the the main entrance into Mordor itself. And it was like way too heavily guarded. They're like, we can't do this. And Gollum says he knows this other way to get in because after he escapes, boys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm kidding. You Uh, paused, so I expect I thought you were getting its character. No, no. Um, (laughs) Sorry. So after, so you know, from from when he escaped, he knows this like other route, and it's through Minas Morgul, which used to be Minas Ithil, which you know is like the sister city to Minas Tirith, which are the cities that are have been founded by uh, the the men of Numenor. I, I think I think even more so, like, we could talk more about it. I think Minas Ithil itself was founded by Isildur specifically, and then Minas Tirith was founded by the men of Numenor, but they yes. don't have the connection to Isildur, which is kind of a point of contention between Boromir and Aragorn, we, like, sort of now realize, I think. Yes, I think you're right. I think... The thing is, he... He, he calls them towers. So founding... I think built is more of a better term instead of founding and it's it's weird they're towers that are in of themselves cities or surrounded yeah. by cities so it's it's kind of ambiguous yeah um and yeah the, the men of Numenor used to have a king but the king went north and died and so they had the stewards yes uh to take over and they're basically like elected or something and they've been running Gondor for the past like 46 generations or whatever it is. Yeah, it's been and, like uh, many centuries. Yep. And uh, Boromir was supposed to... was from that line and then uh, Aragorn's from the, the dead king line. And, you know, apparently the king... king's line didn't die with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am going to want to come back to that in a bit more detail, but that is all worth noting. And um, yeah, I think it's it's pretty interesting. I like the way that um, it's like slowly introduced to us. You know, it's like here we are um, more than two thirds into this book. You know, the the second book here, which is itself two thirds into the story. (laughs) Yes. Um, And it's like, yeah, we're still kind of expanding on these ideas that were first introduced to us in Fellowship. So uh I think that's cool to to have it like slowly unfold as you like meet different characters who who have more to say. Um but but where we're at now um 
so so right. Uh, Frodo, Sam, Gollum are heading to Minas Ithil, and as they're going through the the land, they're going further south. Um, they end up taking a break where uh, Frodo is resting. Sam asks Gollum to get him stuff to help him cook so he can make a meal. Gollum does so, brings back the rabbits. Then Gollum is all like offended that Sam is cooking. He's like, you know, didn't realize he was actually going to do all that, and he fucking hates it. <laughs> um, and then you know, Frodo finally, you know, Sam gets Frodo up, and and Frodo's like, hey, I'm grateful for the food, but it might be dangerous for us to have a fire here. You know, we really shouldn't do that. Like we're we're like essentially in the land of the enemy. Um, should be careful about that. Sam's like, ah, don't worry about it. Well. People do indeed show up because of the fire, but it's not orcs. It's um, it's the men of uh, Minas Tirith, Gondor. It's the men of Gondor, right? It is the men of Gondor, um, and uh, and they they they're like, hey, you know what's going on? We kind of get like an initial meeting, and then the next chapter expands more on like. Um, on their relationship and how that evolves, but um, but the chapter kind of wraps up with their with their initial meeting and um, and there's a battle because the men of Gondor are there to fight the men coming up from the south to aid Sauron, and so they fight and then oh right the chapter ends with an oliphant like storming through the woods and Sam is in complete awe. We get an actual yep. oliphant. We do. Um, <laughs> And so that's, I think that, you know, it's about the long and short of it there. What do we want to say about this chapter? Um, um, Carter, why don't you start? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, the, the, the main, like, the, the, the meat of this chapter um, is, is, you know, more intrigue with uh, the tensions between Sam and uh, Gollum. Um and uh yeah you know they're they're kind of uh heating up a little bit specifically Gollum is is kind of sick of taking sam's shit um you know a little bit you know sam sam does treat him pretty poorly throughout this chapter um and yeah you know at at the last request sam makes of him uh Gollum pretty much just says go fuck yourself not not doing that shit um (laughs) Which is cool. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm Team Gollum, Team Smeagol. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, like it's, it's very similar to that other chapter that the same thing kind of had. Well, you know, when, <laughs> when they first took control of of uh, Smeagol, and um, so yeah, just another kind of version of that where you know Frodo's sleeping and Sam and Gollum are kind of at odds um yeah but I mean it wasn't a bad chapter you know I I, I like I said they're just kind of like pushing each other closer to the edge and um yeah eventually something's got to give and of course uh at the end of the chapter we we lose our our small pal yeah, the the breaking of Team Smeagol. Yeah, know? I know it's a, it's very sad. Um, 
And then, and then, yeah, we have the weird part where where Sam is just admiring Frodo. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Like, he's so beautiful laying there. <laughs> I have the note guy love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it is guy love for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's a nice little chapter that just kind of leads us into the next chapter, which I think is the more important one. Yeah. Yeah, this this chapter definitely has a bit of a uh, walking around in the woods kind of vibes. Yes, for sure. Um, there there is a bit more that happens. There always is, you know. It's never just like walking around the woods, but like, you know, every walking around the woods chapter, it's like they're walking around the woods, and then like, you know, the last two or three pages, it's like, oh, like now the thing that this walking around the woods is leading up to is happening, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um. And so I, it kind of felt that way to me initially, where I was like, "Well, what's what's the deal? Like, who? Why is the chapter even titled after like cooking a rabbit? Like, who is like? I'm like, is this whole chapter going to be just about Sam <laughs> cooking a rabbit? And then it turns out like the cooking is kind of like the setup for you know the smoke to happen, and then that's what attracts the the men of Gondor. So it's like, you know, I can see how those events lead into one another, but in terms of like what's given to us on the page Tolkien attributes just as much importance to Sam cooking a rabbit than he does to like the meeting of the men of Gondor and Faramir you know yeah, like yep. those those two things are seemingly equal in his in his focus as an author um and and it's not to say that like the cooking with the rabbit thing is bad because it's it's you know not that simple either like you're right there's a lot of tension there with Smeagol and like their character dynamics are interesting but um but as i was reading this chapter you know as i was actually going through it i was like man you know feels like this could be going a little bit quicker that's all <laughs> yeah but I, yeah i i agree it does does drag a little bit um yeah i mean it could have been there's just so much that that could be taken out of these chapters but also it's like i guess that's part of uh tolkien's thing is like very very detailed like scenery and little things and um yeah oh yeah i just i mean i mean one you're right yeah like that is tolkien's thing you can't you can't just get rid of that stuff. It obviously, it would be very different. Um, but also, like, I was like, wow. I was even, um, there, sometimes, sometimes I'll, like, read before going to bed. And um, every now and then, uh, I'll be like, hey, Tony, do you want me to read out loud to you? And she'll be like, no. <laughs> and then I'll just do it anyways. I'll just read out loud that's, for a bit. That's, that's fun. <laughs> um, that's a fun bit. And as I was doing that, uh, it was, like, going through the part where Tolkien was describing, like, I guess it was wherever they stopped, like, by this stream and, and whatever. But, like, Tolkien, like, for an entire, like, two pages, he's describing, like, the different kinds of grass, the specific kinds of trees, you know, like, the shrubs and the bushes and, like, it, it was it was insane. It was insane how many, like, trees he listed. And I'm sitting there, like, was everyone like an an arborist or whatever in the 50s or were people reading this shit going like i don't know what you're talking about either tolkien you know like how many fucking trees did the common man know back then i know like four trees 
Tolkien is listing a lot of fucking trees. You know what I'm saying? Well, I, yeah, I think trees were more interesting back then. Like, <laughs> not, not that we, not, not, what, not what that. What kind of a line is that? I think they were, you know, because well, because they didn't have the wealth of other information we could be interested in, you know. So, so the trees were more fascinating to to. Yeah. Before the internet, you now, know. Now we just have maple, oak, pine, and Christmas. Now, there we have it. I told you, four trees. That's all instead, I know. Now instead of the Amazon rainforest, we have Amazon.com. <laughs> you know? That is such a sad fucking true statement. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. That's Connor, you have outdone yourself tonight. <laughs> the cookie crumbles. Yeah. Trees trees were more interesting back then. That's like my favorite Tolkien take you could possibly have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, it's wow. just uh, you may not like it, but it's true. I don't like it, but you might be right. You in some in some insane way. You you just might be right, you crazy mother effer. <laughs> God. Look at you. Such a fucking tater. <laughs> look at the fucking look on your face. Oh my god. You know, you can say that because you are Irish, but it's still mean. <laughs> it's yeah, it hurts, doesn't still, it? It still it does, hurts. Yeah. You're you know, words have meaning, all right? Exactly. <laughs> Josh, uh wh- what about you? What what were you thinking about this chapter? Um I definitely felt how slow it was compared to I mean, the last couple chapters have also felt a little slow to be as well. So I just kind of started this chapter and was getting through it, it felt like. Uh, but once the the men from Gondor show up, that was surprising. I was not expecting that at all. Uh, so that really uh, piqued my interest and helped me get through the rest of these two chapters. Yeah. Uh, w- certainly wasn't expecting a battle with the men from the south and the Oliphant just storming off. Um, kind of reminded me of Stampy from The Simpsons. Just a jerk of an elephant just going off on its own. <laughs> Out into the sunset. Um, I got a bunch of stupid notes, but yeah, it was... Uh, Let's hear some. It was just Rattle them off. Chapter. All right, well... At the beginning of the chapter, uh, we find out they're at the northeast corner of the very square mountain range that, I'm sorry, northwest corner uh, that borders Mordor. And we find out that there are uh, about 30 leagues to the crossroads that they were heading to. And I got curious, and apparently one league is equal to three miles, so they had to go about 90 miles over the course of the next uh, four journeys as uh, uh, Gollum wanted to complete it. So that would be four journeys of approximately uh, 27 and a half miles. I'm doing math right there. Um. But if they're using nautical leagues, uh, then it comes out to about 103.6 miles or a little over 30 miles per per journey, per, per uh, trip. Well, wait, if it's if it's 90 total divided by four, it, could, it would have to be less than 25, right? Because four times 25 would give you 100. 
You're right. I'm about to say 22 point. Hold on. 22 and a half. 22 and a half miles. Is that it? Yeah. Yep. Sorry. I was doing it in my head, and there's a reason that I use a calculator at work. <laughs> <laughs> Got to make sure those planes fly straight. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Um, um, it's a lot. So yeah, a lot of walking. Yeah. But it also makes you realize just how small a league is, because 20,000 leagues under the sea really makes you think it's like a big number for some reason, because you think under the sea and deep, and it's just like that heuristic like connection, in, in my brain at least. Um, but it turns out a league is just three miles. It's just, it's it's the equivalent, uh, it's the mile equivalent of a, of a yard to a foot. I do still think that's got to be pretty deep though, right? I mean... Well, here's the thing. I've known this for a while. 20,000 leagues under the sea doesn't refer to the depth. It refers to how much tra- distance was traveled under the under the sea. Oh, right. I guess it wouldn't make sense. Because that would be like 60,000 miles. That would otherwise be way too much. Yeah, yeah, that would otherwise be 60,000 miles. And the Earth is only about 20,000 in circumference. Yeah. So, yeah. Excellent point. <laughs> okay. That is funny. Uh, perhaps we can discuss that later in... Uh, when we get, if we ever get to that book, yeah, it's a good book. Um, so yeah, that was just my first note of the chapter. I was just, I was curious about leagues, and I did a little bit of number crunching on leagues. So, yeah, it is interesting. I like that. I'm also assuming Tolkien's using uh, statute leagues and not nautical leagues because there is a difference. That I mean, it's like 16 miles difference on this scale, but it's still a difference. Um. So the guy love portion would Sam is just checking out Frodo while he sleeps. Let's do um, it. So, how is it describing it? Uh, Note: Sam noticed that at time a light seemed to be shining faintly within, but now the light was even clearer and stronger. Frodo's face was peaceful. The marks of fear and care had left it, but it looked older, old and beautiful, as if chiseling of the shaping years uh, was now revealed in many fine lines that had before been hidden, uh, though the identity of the face was not changed. So my question here is, is is the ring making Frodo appear older or is it um, or is that just time? Because, I mean, it's only been like a month since I left. Um uh, Rivendell, which was the, the period that Sam was thinking of before the passage I just read. Um, Definitely the ring. No, but it, so is that making him appear older, but also removing the care and uh, worry lines and, and like scars and stuff, making him appear more peaceful? That doesn't seem like something the ring would do. And I'm wondering if that's because they're now suddenly out of sight of Mordor at this point in the trip, because they're a little closer to Gondor. Yeah. It, it, seemed, it seemed like a weird contradiction to what I know of the ring mm. and how it corrupts people. I took it more as just like being on the journey itself um, has aged him, you know, like, like he, he led a pretty um, comfortable and easygoing life in the Shire which was the the only life he had ever known and suddenly he's like thrust into this you know life of hardship and 
you know, constant toil and journeying and survival. And I, I think like just through the experience of having been on the journey, it's, it has like shaped him and, and aged him. Like I took it as like a mark of his experience. Okay. I, I guess I'm still hung up on why the worry lines and, and like a, like he, it does say he's older, but fear and care had left it. And that's, that's what's strange to me. I, yeah. I, I, I kind of feel like th- there's like a difference in Frodo a little bit from the last uh, two chapters that I kind of think uh, um, remains throughout these chapters where it's not that he's fearless, but he does have a confidence about him and what he needs to do and what he, it may be a piece with like the fact that he's probably going to die. You know what I mean? Like, like he, he's not hesitating Uh. anymore, really. Um, And I I think that that's kind of said, you know, in a discussion that he has next chapter too. Um, So, so I, I, you know, I guess trying to make sense of those, the, uh, those descriptors that that's what comes to my mind. Okay. And I do think that that, that. I, I do think that the ring plays a part in that. Um, in, in both the aging and in his steadfastness and, and peace, I guess. Yeah. His, his adamant, if you will. Yeah. You know what else I was wondering about this passage that I was going to bring up? Um, and I don't know if it's going to sound stupid, but there is a reason I'm asking it. Um, so where it says... Uh, Sam had noticed that at times a light seemed to be shining faintly within, but now the light was even clearer and stronger. Is this literal? You know what that makes me think of is the visual effects on it from Lothlorien in the Peter Jackson uh, Fellowship movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, where everyone in that movie, everyone in those scenes just looked like a really overdone, poorly uh, like poor Snapchat filter, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like that kind of glow is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. That's funny. But, but do you think he's actually glowing or not? Is, is there an actual light, or is that something figurative? <laughs> New thought that I just thought of as you're saying that. It's just Sting reflecting off his face. There's orcs nearby. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe. I don't, I don't think it's literal because he, he always talks about Gollum having like green light in his eyes. I think it's a Mm -hmm. more of a reflection, reflective, uh, quality. Yeah. Like, like green envious, you know, dastardly, whatever. Um, and then the light being a reflection of that piece he's describing too also they did just have like a a bath like two days ago after getting out of the muck so he could just be you know cleaner (laughs) he's so damn clean i love him so much he looks so clean right now it made me (laughs) It, it it made me think as i was reading that part um i think i remember i wanted to go back and check this and then i i just forgot or, or rather, I just didn't bother, I guess. But I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, but when we were reading through Fellowship, 
I'm pretty sure it was the chapter in the Barrow Downs where, um, you know, like everyone had sort of been like paralyzed by, you know, like the, the Barrow Whites and, um, and I'm like 99% sure that during the climax of that scene, Frodo feels like he sees like this light or there's like a, there's like a light emanating from him. And I remember talking about it and being like, is this real? You know, I was like, is this an actual light or is this like, you know, some like metaphorical description of like him summoning his courage? And we didn't really have a clear answer there either. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I totally forgot about that conversation. Yeah, but I, but I mean, it kind of struck me as I was reading this passage, and I was thinking like, you know, I kind of, I almost wonder if it is meant to be taken literal, and it's like, is Tolkien leaving us like these small, minor, you know, moments to like clarify something that might could be important later um i do not know i i freely admit that i could just be reading into it and i'm not really convinced that it is a literal thing myself but but something about the way that he's written it and and remarked on it um i think at least two times now kind of makes me wonder if there's not more to it, that's all. So I don't really have more to say on it. Just that, like, I want to acknowledge it and kind of put a pin in it and like wonder if it might be, uh, it might be relevant further on. Um, but who cares about that shit? Because Josh, like you were saying just further on, this is where we get Sam, uh, saying, I love him. He's like that, and sometimes it shines through somehow, but I love him, whether or no. It's just guy love. Yeah, but what does that fucking line mean? What? That was the other thing I wanted to talk about. Okay, I get that, but what? (laughs) He says he's like that, and sometimes it shines through somehow, but I love him whether or no. Whether or no what? Whether or no Frodo loves him? Or I was like, what does that mean? Maybe. Whether or not he's like that? Whether... (laughs) Right, he's like what? I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, I mean, it's... He's like that. What? I mean, maybe it does mean that whether or not he feels feels the same way. Because that, that is maybe the only interpretation that makes sense yeah right well I th- yeah that makes i guess sense. i didn't feel like it was super clear so I oh was no kinda, it's not I, it's not i mean I it was a little out of left field is sam saying that he loves him like i get that that's the main idea here i was just wondering what the other shit was i was like what does that mean <laughs> yeah who nothing the frick, okay. who the frick knows <laughs> not me okay I just have the scrub song stuck in my head I can't participate okay. with any relevant conversation <laughs> well I, I mean I like that we get a moment whoops I dropped my phone oh, oh. shit uh, you know of Sam admitting that and I mean you know we've we've always known that and 
I think Sam's even said that. Like, I don't think this is the first yeah. time, but it, it does feel like a, it's a very tender moment, you know. Um, maybe it is odd that it's a bit one-sided, but, like, you know, you're, you're meant to take it as uh, it's a sweet, like, kind-hearted thing for him to, to do and yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, how much do you think Sam loves Frodo? What kind of love does this he have This much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I think, uh, I think, uh, pretty odd amount. Is, I mean, like, romantically? Well. Platonically? You asked, I think it's platonic. You asked how much, not what kind of love. Well, that's that's really what I'm asking. I I think I think if Frodo tried to kiss him, he would oblige. Not just <laughs> not just because he's his master, you know, just but because he would be he's been waiting for this day to happen. Yeah, um, that's what I think. Okay, you know, he's been kind of pining for it. Um, just watching him while he sleeps, and you know, uh, so yeah, I, I, uh, I think it, I think he he loves him platonically, but but also he's not opposed to it going further. Right. Okay. I think that's it's kind of where I'm at too. Um. All right. Few notes I wanted to go through. Um. Uh, towards the beginning um, on the same for me it's the same page that Josh was just referencing it says uh, now that the the despair of the impassable gate was behind him this is referring to Sam now that that the despair of the impassable gate was behind him he did not feel so inclined as his master to take no thought for their livelihood beyond the end of their errand and anyway, it seemed wiser to him to save the waybread of the elves for worse times ahead. Um, and so Sam's thinking, he's like, maybe we won't die. You know, Frodo is pretty much resigned to his fate, he feels. And we got that moment in the, the previous uh, section, our previous two chapters, where... Um, you know, they, they kind of just, like, hold each other's hands and cry because they're like, yeah, we're both going to die, right? But now, Sam feels a little bit more, um, he, he's reinvigorated, you know? And he's he's thinking to himself, hey, maybe we should plan ahead. Maybe we do have reason to be hopeful amidst, like, this, this dire situation. And um, I also liked that, I feel like the way it's portrayed it it's almost i think sam almost feels a little naive for for thinking that way but i also like that about his character you know i like that he's like the the constant hope you know he's gonna look on the bright side even if even if other characters might consider him to be a bit more simple-minded for doing so um because he's like just that sincere you know he's just that genuine yeah i mean in the next chapter a new character basically tells him as much and he's just kind of pouts in the corner yeah and he's like naive and should stay out of this right yeah yeah i mean frodo you're right in that in that uh instance faramir is saying like uh you know frodo's 
Frodo's the wise one, right? Like you don't need to say anything, Sam. Um, yeah. And Very you know, rude. Sam is 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 hot headed, you know, and he he does put his foot in his mouth. He says that too. Um, but you know, but we see like what Sam's good qualities are too. You know why why he's a good character and and why you know Frodo has grown to love him in his own way as well. So yeah, that's cool. Um, what else is there? I always think it's funny when Sam is mocking Gollum. I think that's like a really hilarious thing that Tolkien does because it feels so like kind of a modern thing to me. To yeah, I mean, I I kind of picked up on that. It's just like I thought Sam was just using more and more terminology and mannerisms of Smeagol, but now you put it as like he's mocking him. It's like, oh, that makes way more sense. Why did I make a note on this? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I, he definitely he's, he's done it before. It didn't just start in this chapter. He's been doing it. Um, right. No, but it's like I, I, I'm picking up on it. Like, I know it's been happening in previous chapters, but this one's where it's like, all right, he's he just he's talking more and more like Smeagol now. Like, he's just it sounds like he's slipping into it more than more yeah, than. Uh, but I mean, it's mocking. But I mean, that I don't know. I guess, I guess Sam is not the kind of character I'd expect to I'd expect sarcasm from. So I guess I didn't put that together right away. Right. Um. Yeah, I see what you mean. I, I do see what you mean. But yeah, I think there's some pretty clear instances. I'm looking at this line here where he says, um, he's talking to Frodo. He says, there's a good deal of stinker, the bad golem, if you understand me, and him still. And it's getting stronger again. I love that he brings not, a stinker again. <laughs> yeah. He does. He, so does. he says, not, not but what I think he'd try to throttle me first now. We don't see eye to eye, and he's not pleased with Sam. Oh, no, Precious, not pleased at all. <laughs> and yeah, there's, there's a Sam's few other... Sam's pretty clever, I think. You know, Sam's funny. Sam's a funny guy. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I mean, like, that's a good line. I don't know. It's just funny that, like, it's almost like Sam hating Gollum so much, like, is what it's makes like him more clever like he he hates him so much he wants to come up with like more better ways to like make fun of him you know it's almost like connor hating on boromir a little bit yeah it's a bit like that yeah yep similar Gollum is Gollum and boromir are very similar characters that yeah i mean um they they are the the dark mirror of one another. Yeah, exactly, know? exactly. But Screw Aragorn, both, you know. It's like it's those. It's them. It's always been them. Evil though. <laughs> um, there's only just a couple other things I want to shout out here. Um, one is that in the movie, there's this uh, famous line that I didn't realize was going to be in the book. Uh, which is always <laughs> funny, where Sam says, potatoes. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. They, they didn't have to follow up, which is uh, boil them, mash them, put them in a stew. Right. Yes. Which is, you know, obviously, yeah, exactly which how is my I note there. thought of it as well. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's funny that it's there in the first place. So it, it, that's always cool to see, you know, Tolkien originating those points. And also... Peter Jackson putting his own spin on it to make it, you know, iconic in his own way, like you're saying, Josh. Um, and then, let's see, what else? Um, 
so after uh, Faramir and the other men of Gondor show up, um, uh, on my copy, it's page 266, um, Frodo kind of, like, recounts their journey and, like, yeah, he omits all the ring stuff, but he says a lot. And my note was like, wow, Frodo, like, feels like you're actually really candid right now. But, um, you know, we see as we read on, he's a lot more guarded and cautious than than that. Yeah. But I, I was still surprised with, like, you know, how how much he said at all. Um, and then sort of on that on that topic, um we get this moment here. We talked about this in the text before, and so I wanted to bring it up. Um, where is it? So it's just after... It's just after Frodo says that they know Boromir. And then it says, Boromir, all the four men exclaimed. Boromir, son of the Lord Denethor, said Faramir, and a strange stern look came into his face. You came with him. That is news indeed, if it be true. No little strangers that Boromir, son of Denethor, was high warden of the White Tower, and our captain general. Sorely do we miss him. Who are you then, and what had you to do with him? Be swift, for the sun is climbing. And then we get this, uh, this bit here. It says... Are the riddling words, this is Frodo's response, are the riddling words known to you that Boromir brought to Rivendell, Frodo replied. And then we get the line break and the italicized font. Seek for the sword that was broken, in a Maldris it dwells. And then we get, the words are known indeed, said Faramir in astonishment. And so, remember when we were reading the thing, uh, the, the Taming of Gollum, the first chapter of book two here, and Frodo recounts the the lines from the the ring poem, and we were saying, did Frodo say it, or is it something that he's thinking? This is written in the same way, and to me, You're it right. seems like Frodo says it here. Yes, I agree. I think it's being That's quoted. It. Yeah. So I think it's also safe to say that in that moment with Smeagol, I, I think that Frodo is, you're meant to take it as he's quoting it as well and like when when he's quoting like a part of like a poem or a song it's like written in that way and maybe we should have thought about that more honestly because every time there's been a song that a character says it's not written like regular dialogue there's always like the the poetic font to it and i think just because there's less of it here it's just a line it felt different but it's essentially the same really so there's that um and there's there's really only two more things I want to say. I feels feels like we didn't have a lot to go on with this chapter, but but I do have two more notes I want to talk about here. Okay, so one, uh, another thing we were talking about last episode was when they were talking about the men coming up from the south, and we were talking about like, oh, they're dark faces. How is that meant to be taken? You know, is it is it dark because? Uh, you know, they're, they have evil intentions, or is Tolkien referencing their skin color? Well, on my copy, page 269, um, after that guy, Sam sees, like, the, the dead man from the south. He stumbles through the trees and then, like, dies in front of them, you know? Yeah. And uh, we get that. There's a The only other thing I want to talk about is the passage of Sam, like, reflecting on, like, 
the dead guy, I think was really interesting, and I want to talk about that. But just before that, we get this description where it says, um, uh, what was it? His brown hand still clutched the hilt of a broken sword. So, I, I, uh, you know, I mean, we. Sounds we, like he was referencing the skin color. Yes, that's all I'm saying. So, um, you know, I, I, I get that we are not, uh, we are not really the ones, you know, perhaps best suited to be like, hey, like, let's, yeah, let's comment on this and deliver this message. But, but, but all I mean is like, hey, well, last episode we were saying like, well, essentially is Tolkien equating like the, you know, these men as wicked to like the color of their skin. Um, and again, like I, I don't think it's as simple as that, but I also do think like there's just a real historical connection to like, you know, that like whether Tolkien's like consciously pulling from that or not, it doesn't really matter. Right. Because like the effect right. is still the same, like that thing is still being perpetuated that idea. And so, um, you know, I, I do think at any rate, like it's safe to say it is present in some form in Lord of the Rings. It's it's not a focus. It's not not a sticking point, you know, to the text. And it's not something that I think Tolkien handles in any like egregious, horrible way. But it is there m minorly. Big time. Yikes. Yes. So <laughs> Tolkien canceled. Not cool. man. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Tolkien was kind of a coney, so... I don't know. <laughs> no, no. It doesn't make it right just to, you know... I know, I know. Sorry, that's... It's just the tater coming out in me. Right. I can't help it. Well, now, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, you know, we thought we had one author we could support, and, you know, now it's like... It's JK, all taken away. J.K. Rowling, J.R.R. Tolkien. It's like, I don't know. Which one do we I get? know. I know what <laughs> there's only two, you know, pick a side. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're not going to pick that sex freak, Frank Herbert. No, 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 no fucking way. No, certainly not. Certainly not. Um, okay. Very last note for me. And then if we feel like we're done with this chapter here, I'm getting the feeling maybe we are. Then I'll, I, got a few, I'll I got a few more quick notes. I, yeah. I'm done. I am done with this chapter. Yeah, I, you've, you've been done, buddy. I'm done <laughs> with it. <laughs> okay, but but I, I, I just wanted to, like, I guess, draw attention to Sam's uh, thoughts on seeing this, this dead body here. It says, It was Sam's first view of a battle of men against men, and he did not like it much. He was glad that he could not see the dead face. Woke up he next to a body. Oh, wow, I haven't thought about that song in a while that's yeah, a, a hostage one. calm right there hostage that's calm, great. yeah yeah that's great um let's please remain calm right yes it is yeah yeah damn such a good record for real um he was glad that he could not see the dead face he wondered what the man's name was and where he came from and if he was really evil of heart or what lies or threats had led him on the long march from his home and if he would not really rather have stayed there in peace all in a flash of thought, which was quickly driven from his mind. So, uh, I think my comments are just twofold. One, that, uh, you know, Sam's, like, immediate reaction after seeing this is like, hey, 
maybe these guys that everyone is saying, you know, are evil and just killing, like, really aren't evil at all. Or, like, hey, maybe the nature of evil is actually more nuanced than just thinking of it as, like, a, a black and white binary where there's good guys and bad guys. Um, mm -hmm. And then also thinking about it as, like, in contrast to their own journey, you know? Because, like, Sam and Frodo and Mary and Pippin, like the Hobbits in particular, um, they didn't just wake up one day and decide like, hey, we want to like save the world. You know, we want to do like just and noble deeds. Like they really just want to be at home smoking some pipe weed and, you know, drinking ale. Like they, they do not have like these grand aspirations. But like Sam's kind of musing on for this seemingly evil person you know it's it's like think of the the like hands of fate that have pulled them into the situation you know like it's it's all just circumstantial in the end like much like much like how sam is kind of thinking about how like oh wow you know what sort of circumstances could have pushed this person to do evil if they themselves were not you know similarly what kinds of circumstances push people to do good even if they themselves we're not trying to do that in the first place. You know, Sam sort of finds himself on the opposite end of that spectrum where suddenly he's, he's doing something, you know, for the benefit of, of everyone on middle earth. But like that, that was never his intent. That's just something that he's been swept up into much like he thinks about how this person could have been swept up into doing harm. Mm. Mm. So that's it for me. Uh, it, yeah. yeah that was a that was definitely a, a part of the story that maybe stopped for a minute because that is it, it's poignant yeah it, it's brief but it's poignant it is and maybe like the first real like n personal notice we've seen of someone dying that wasn't just like an orc you know it's like oh right like yeah there there's or people that are caught up in this too here you know I mean, yeah, even even when like a good guy character dies, it's always like the off screen and or out of the scene rather, and impersonal is just like oh, and so and so was dead, and right. there was a, a funeral and people deal with the the consequences. But this is like the first like oh, this person is in front of Sam and he is dead. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so it's, it's it's much more visceral that way. Yeah. All right, so Josh, you said you had a few more notes you want to get through, right, to wrap up our chapter yes. here? let's see, real quick. Um, let's see, we did that one, we did that one. Um, <laughs> going back to the actual, like, cooking portion, Yeah. all I could think of during that whole, th whole scene was, I just want a cooking show with Sam and Gollum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty Sam, funny. Sam's like a master chef, and then Gollum's just, like, shunning anything that isn't like just raw meat yeah that's a great idea um let's see when the the men from gondor first show up um it uh they it describes how they all had four tall men stood there two had spears uh two had great bows uh all the swords at their sides they were clad in green and brown and varied hues uh, as if better to walk unseen in the glades of Ithilien. Uh, green gauntlets covered their hands and their faces were 
were hooded and masked with green, except for their eyes, which were very keen and bright. At once Frodo thought of Boromir, for these men were like him in stature and bearing, and in their manner of speech. And all I could write it that all I could think of that was I'm gonna call this group the Foramir. Because there were four of them. <laughs> <laughs> and then we Wait. find out their leader is named Faramir, so I'm just like, oh. That was funny. <laughs> so close. Yeah. So close. That was good though. Um see that's about Sam imitating Gollum, and I think that's actually it. I think those were actually my only notes there. So yeah, we covered we covered this chapter well. Nice. Yeah, not the most compelling chapter we've read, but still some interesting bits and pieces as we. I don't know that cooking show is that that's that's out there Amazon. <laughs> I know Bezos. Come on, you know it's a, it's it's it'll make you millions. Just cut us. Yeah. In. I'm sure the uh, actor who played Sam would love to come back and reprise the role, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> and you know Andy Serkis is up for anything. It's he just an really old, is. It's just an old Samwise back wherever he is at the end of the story or something. And uh, just, like, trying to be a good cooking show. And then Gollum would just sneak in from behind trying to steal <laughs> raw ingredients. He's yeah. to bait him back with a spoon or something. I'd watch that. Oh, yeah. Um, you guys want to take a quick uh, uh, or a tight five? Tight yeah. five. All right, let's do it up. Hey, welcome back. Okay, we are talking about chapter five, The Window on the West. And uh, in this chapter, uh, so so after, you know, the men from the south are killed, the Oliphant runs away off into the sunset, never to be heard or seen from again. Maybe hanging out with that fox from Fellowship, you know. <laughs> um, Good callback. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Sam's like, okay, I guess we're going to, like, part ways now. Uh, thanks. And, um, you know, Faramir comes back and he's like, eh, no, I think we're going to all, like, stay together, right? We're going to hang out together. And we kind of get, like, the whole um, sort like, their initial, like, council sort of thing or or you know like interview almost you know it's pretty you know it's it's pointed um yep and uh you know ultimately you know frodo's like well i can't reveal you know our our errand but sure enough like we knew boromir and they're like oh you knew boromir well faramir's like yes, but yeah Borom not only prove it but also boromir is my brother and I also, knew he's, he's dead. dead. If, you couldn't tell, if you couldn't tell by the fucking name, by my, if you couldn't tell by my name, Boromir is my yeah. brother. And and you know, I just picture Faramir as Boromir with with a fake mustache. <laughs> <laughs> You're not that far off, I think. Yeah, like it's it's not even the right color, right? Yeah. Just like, uh, <laughs> yeah. So like the, they, he has what, what like brown mousy hair in the in the movie, but it's just like a thick black mustache. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> it's falling off yeah. in some scenes. Um, in some scenes, it's red for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for me, Faramir is Boromir's brother. You know what are the odds? Um, and uh, so, so yeah, um, and and he also knows that Boromir is dead. Um, he he mentions that he saw him. He he passed. Boromir's body went by him down the river on a boat, and um, 
Frodo's like, wow, you know, so so you just like withheld that, you know, like you you know this whole time. Yeah. Um but you know, I, I get it from Faramir's point of view. It's like you're claiming to know my brother. It's like, well, um, you know, the, these are dark times. You yeah, gotta well, be sure. He, he thinks that maybe Frodo is the one that killed him. Frodo and Sam killed yes. him and yeah, left him. True. Yeah. Um, but but after a while, you know, they they feel like they're at a point where it's like, okay, we don't know the whole story, but like, you know, we feel comfortable enough together at least. Um, and uh, Faramir's like, well, we're not just gonna let you go. You know, I think we we need some time to sleep on it, and we have this. Um, we we have like this uh place that we use to like rest as a as a encampment mm-hmm. not too far from here so they they take the journey uh to go there for a brief portion of it frodo and sam are blindfolded um but ultimately they end up at this like cave <clears throat> that is next to or like part of a waterfall too kind of yeah, it was a very unique location, but yeah. not one I remember ever seeing in the movies. So I'm surprised it got cut. If if that, or if I'm just completely forgetting. Uh, yeah, yeah. We we will come back to that and see because I am not sure, but it's also not familiar to me. Um, and and so essentially, like once they're there, uh, the rest of like the men of Gondor from like their different you know search parties and and scout crews and whatever they come back and one guy's like hey i think i saw like this weird fucking squirrel out there there's like this <laughs> there's you know i think it's just like some weird crazy squirrel fairy is just like okay sure whatever but sam who's listening is like i think i know who that motherfucker is um so sounds like Gollum may not be too far behind even though we haven't heard from him since uh, the men of Gondor have shown up. You look like you want to chime in, Connor. I'm just saying, he, you know, he's never too far behind. Right. You can count on him to be in the periphery somewhere, you know. Yes, yes, somewhere. He, um, he's reverted to the Minds of Moria mode where he's just skulking in the background. Right. Yeah, clearly he's not uh, thrilled about this change of, um, you know, the the party here and uh and yeah so so faramir and the others um are hospitable and uh they they give frodo and sam you know like a a really nice meal and a place to sleep and before they turn in faramir is like hey i want to have a conversation just the three of us so they talk um, we get into kind of like a, a whole a whole thing where they're sharing more about like each other's journeys and their their past and their lineage. But Sam, who's excited about you know we, you know he, he feels a bit more comfortable now, and I, I think it sounds like they've had a bit to drink, you know, too. Yep. Um, but he, he kind of blurts out that they are carrying the One Ring. And bad move, Faramir's buddy. I know. Faramir is like, wow, uh, I can see why you didn't tell me. Um, you know. Frodo's just like, Sam. <laughs> he, says, he says more. Sh- like, he talks so much crap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is kind of funny. But but ultimately, you know, Faramir does his best to be reassuring. And he's like, hey, you know, 
I said if I ever got my hands on whatever, you know, crazy weapon my brother was looking for that, you know, I, I would vow to never use it. Like, that's, that's not something I want. And he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold to that. You know, I, I truly believe that. And so mm -hmm. um, Faramir is saying at this point, like, hey, I know you have the ring, but don't worry about it um, because I'm cool, guys. You know, it's all good. And um, I think with that, that's pretty much where it ends. Faramir's like, well, you know, get some rest, and then we'll kind of see what we want to do in the morning because we're not even really sure if they're going to split up or not, um, I believe. And I, I think that's, that's kind of where our chapter ends, um, where they, they're ultimately able to rest and recuperate here. Um, and then, like, we'll kind of see where they go from there next time. What do we think about this chapter? I I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, I think it's the more important chapter of the two. Um, I I like a lot, uh, you know, about um, the tension between Faramir and Frodo and Sam and. Um, but my favorite part, my favorite part was um, when Faramir and, and Frodo are talking and. Uh, you know, Faramir is like you and my brother. Like you, you were not on good terms. Like something bad happened, right? And then mm -hmm. Frodo's like, "Yeah, kind of. It's kind of right." And and he's <laughs> like, um, "Yeah, you know, I kind of figured that he's kind of an asshole. That's kind of his vibe. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that's like something he would do. So don't even sweat it, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I thought that was hilarious." It is funny, yeah. Faramir really does seem like a pretty chill, level-headed kind of guy. Whereas, he like, is. you know, he's like, and he even says he's like, "Hey, I love my brother. You know, I'd avenge him." He's, he's like, "I'd fucking kill a man. I will fucking kill the man who killed my brother." But like, he was kind of a dick, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so so I thought that was that was awesome, and and yeah, I mean, Faramir as a character uh, is is great, and um, you know, I I like how he kind of. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it was more accepting at kind of every turn. Every time Sam or Frodo doubted him, he was kind of he kind of um, surprised them because they're all like, "Well, Gondor." Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Gondor is just full of guys like Boromir. Um, right. And it, t talking about mirrors, you know, he he is kind of like the the mirror of his brother in that way. Yeah. Um, uh, that's actually one of my notes. Is is. Is Faramir just the anti-Boromir? Yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. Um, yeah, so so that was it was good, um, and you know it, it's it's also kind of cute having Sam uh, go up to bat for Frodo when when you know Faramir was grilling him and stuff and and putting his that was what an epic epic foot and mouth moment from Sam. Yeah, <laughs> classic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, let it not be said, you know, Sam will stick up for his man, you know? Yes. He's not just going to let his master, the one he loves, you know, get spoken to in this way. Absolutely. He has a heart of gold, you know? Yeah, I liked, I like that, too. There, There's definitely a, a, a few moments in here that... Um, I think all the the dialogue was really good. Was really uh, well written between like the yeah. characters and and it is a cool dynamic, you know, where you know everyone here is pretty much like a good guy, but like they all have reasons to not trust each other 
And so, um, you know, I like when things feel a little bit more complicated that way too, where it's, it's not just like, Oh yeah. Like, I'm so glad we ran into you. Like, you know, thanks for helping us out. It's like, okay, they're telling us they're here to help, but like, how much can we even really trust them? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, is there uh, something you want to mention to Josh, like in general, or or a place you might like to start in this chapter? Um, going to that complicated bit. Um, uh, I did have a note where they do spend like a couple of pages just rehashing the same plot points we've had for the last two books, and basically rehashing their journey. Uh, in detail and then uh, I was just thinking like as boring as rehashing old plot points can get to be in other stories the fact that this is done with uh, a new perspective in Faramir and a somewhat flawed perspective in uh, Frodo because his information is not up to date as up to date as ours at this point uh, I just I found it more interesting like like Mm. you said so it's not just that they are tense and don't fully trust each other. It's also that their information doesn't quite line up with what we as readers already know. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. That's true. There's a bit of dramatic irony in, in Frodo believing that Boromir is alive and, and us, the reader. Gandalf. Yeah. And also he still believes that Gandalf is dead. Yeah. Right. It's the reverse, right? He thinks Boromir is alive and Gandalf is dead. Another one of my notes. Yeah. <clears throat> that's uh, that is true. I didn't even think about that like reversal, but that is pretty funny. <laughs> I thought he's wrong on both counts. <clears throat> um, and I think sort of on that note too, especially when Faramir was not forthright about or not forthcoming about being Boromir's brother and knowing that Boromir was dead. When he gets Frodo to name Boromir as his friend, um, I thought was another interesting moment because we know the complicated uh, reasons, you know, for Frodo's departure from the Fellowship in the first place. Like, like essentially, a big reason why it feels like the the Fellowship itself breaks is because of Boromir, you know? And, um, and so I think in this moment, you know, Frodo kind of realizes he could potentially leverage. They're like, obviously these people know Boromir, right? So I think he's kind of thinking that he can leverage knowing Boromir to his advantage, right? Or or at least to buy him some safety. And so, um, it's, it's also not as simple as like Frodo lying because I do think Frodo considers Boromir and everyone in the fellowship as a friend on some level because like they've been through so much, but there's like, so it's a very loaded moment when, when Frodo is is like, yes, I would call Boromir my friend. Right. And it's like, Mm -hmm. again, right. Like you get that difference in what the characters are saying and what you as a reader are privy to. And it's like, well, you know, would you Frodo or, or, or rather like maybe you would, but like how much, how much else are you not saying, you know? Um, so I, I really liked that moment as well. And then we even get like the, the further 
complication in that when I, th I think it's like just after where Faramir is like, well, if you would name him a friend, then, you know, you would grieve for him if he was dead. Right. And then like, that's when we get the whole reveal that Faramir is his brother and, yeah. and knows that Boromir is dead and, and, and tells Frodo who's just learning this information now as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a loaded scene for sure. Yeah. Um, so that's all cool. I like how, um, like clever and intuitive Faramir seems. There's a few moments where he's like putting together the story. Like, like he realizes he, he says later in the chapter two, he's like, Oh, like, I'm sorry for, um, for what, for like talking about your errand or, or something because he's like, I realized I got so close to the truth that like it wasn't safe for the other people in my like troop to be listening. He's like, I yeah. he's like, I realized I pieced it all together so well that I actually shouldn't have been talking about it, and so I tried to steer the conversation away from that. Like he says as much, and um, and. And yeah, I don't know. Like you, you just get like a, a very clear sense of like um, how how clever he is because he not only pieces together how he believes Boromir, his brother, died. Um, he says whether he erred or no, of this I am sure he died well, achieving some good thing. And then also, like later, he realizes like, oh, you know, not only that, but but the reason that. Um, you know, that there's, like, this complicated history between Boromir and you, Frodo, is because of whatever your errand is that you won't tell me about. You must have, like, I think he calls it, like, a powerful heirloom or something, you know? <laughs> yep. Um, so, so Faramir, he's sharp, you know? And, you know, if he's your ally, that's a great quality to have. But as someone, you know, who Frodo and Sam can't be 100% certain about, you know, that that they that they have some some hang-ups, you know. Uh I I think it's also kind of a quality that makes him you know, certainly not menacing, but like I I think you're also meant to have some reason to be wary of him because he could put that mind to use against you right yeah. or, or if he's putting pieces together too quickly that like you are not that, that you're trying to keep hidden you know um he's he's formidable you know yes and so there, there's kind of that push and pull between like oh you know he's here to help right and but but also like he's he's almost like too smart for his own good it's like because they're trying to keep this you know this journey a secret mm -hmm. and you know i think that's actually uh kind of funny because at the end of the chapter Sam was like yeah you're kind of like Gandalf you know you like you kind of remind me of Gandalf and that's also a thing that Gandalf does he can kind of deduce things um, right just, just by context and and you know body language true yeah I I kind of came away from that very like last line as like, what about Faramir is like Gandalf at all? Like I, yeah. I was kind of stumped by that, but I, I think that's a good point, Connor. Um, Cause I really wasn't sure what Sam meant, but I, but you're right. That's something that they share. 
You just uh, you just drinking out of a two liter Pepsi bottle, there, I'm buddy. Just, I'm just going straight from two liter. Yeah, I'm. I I'm. I don't, I don't want to because I, I. You know, I've got a. I've got a glass of water that um, I, I I was like okay I'll chug the water so it's done then I can pour my soda into the the glass or the cup or whatever and um, I was like no I don't want to I I'll take my time with my water and I'll just drink from the two liter because no one else is drinking yeah. it you know why not right who cares who cares <laughs> it's kind of fun it's a dude's world you know. <laughs> We're just living in it. We're just living in it. All right. Um, What else here? You got a couple notes you want to uh, shout out, Josh? Uh, Yeah, I got a few more. Uh, I thought Frodo did a good job of standing up for himself um, when all he could really say to Faramir at first was basically just it's classified Mm -hmm. to effect. Um, I, I thought his ability to get around Boromir's questions, even as Boromir was piecing it together, uh, was really well done. You mean Faramir? Faramir? Did I say Boromir? Yeah, I meant Faramir. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. They're so alike. It happens, I know. The mustache slipped off. <laughs> Good one. Um, also, this bit, when Faramir is telling him not to fear him because uh oh shoot what part is this um Frodo made no answer almost yielded to the desire for the help for help and counsel to tell this grave young man whose words seemed to so wise and fair all that was on in his mind but something held him back his heart was heavy from fear and sorrow if he and Sam were indeed as it seemed likely all that were left now of the nine walkers when he was in sole command of the secret of their I'm sorry. Then he was in sole command of the secret of their errand. Um, better mistrust undeserved than rash words, and the memory of Boromir of the dreadful change of the lure of the ring that had worked on him was very present in his mind when he looked at Faramir and listened to his voice, unlike they were, and yet so much akin. Yeah. So at first, I think that paragraph sounds like it might be a little bit of the, the ring's influence on, on Frodo, of just fear and doubt, but Maybe it is just the memory of what the ring did to Boromir that was causing that fear. It that paragraph that I just read flips on the page, and my note is on the front first part of that. So, yeah, I, I hear you though. It's like Frodo has good reason to be skeptical of men after after what mm-hmm. he's seen and what he knows. Right. Yeah. And then, like, suddenly, yeah, you meet, like, Boromir's brother. It's like, well, hmm. Sounds, you know, sounds like a good guy, but who knows, you know? That's what I thought about this Boromir guy, too. What about, um, I I wanted to talk about, I I forget who brought it up earlier, but, like, towards the beginning of our discussion, uh, it was you, Josh. We were talking about how... There's also, like, this distinction where where the men of uh, Minas Tirith are not themselves a lineage of kings and are, like, a descendancy of stewards. Yeah. Because the, the king died, you know, 
the last king died uh, like generations ago. Yep. And had no heir. And it is kind of hilarious. Well, yeah, he left, but like he's got to be dead by now, right? (laughs) No, I mean, like, Uh, there was no heir when he left Gondor, I think is. Because Aragorn came from somewhere. Well, uh. Yes. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. Would he would he had to have been from that king? Is that what that is? But then I get confused because there's like the two kingdoms. So I was like, oh, is Aragorn a descendant of he's he's a descendant of a Sealdor, like would that have been during a time when uh Minas Ithil still stood? And 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 since there were two cities, were there like two kings, or is is it not that at all? I guess it's not that at all, right? There's one king, there's one unifying king of like all men, who I right. guess ah, is the king go. of Gondor. Is that it? Uh, hang on, I think I just found the passage. Kings made tombs of splendor that house more splendor than houses of living, and counted old names on the rolls of their descent. Descent dearer than the names of the sons. Um, childless lords sat in aged halls musing on heraldry in secret chambers with withered men compounded strong elixirs or in high cold towers asked the questions of the stars and the last king of the line of uh, Anarion had no heir um, hmm. that's not explaining what happened to the king uh, but the stewards were wiser and more fortunate wiser for they recruited the strength of our people from the sturdy folk of the seacoast and from the hardy mountaineers of Arid. Nimrius, and they made a truce with the proud people of the north uh, that often had assailed us, men of fierce valor, but of our kin from afar off, unlike the wild Easterlings or the cruel uh, Herodream. And they ended up being the uh, uh, the Rohan. Uh, Faramir's father is the 26th uh, steward. Yeah. Uh, Do... Where's the bit about? I I do see this passage here. It says, um, "For we reckon back our line to Mardil, the good steward, who ruled in the king's stead when he went away to war, and that king was Aenir, last of the yes. line of Anarion and childless, and he never came back." That's what I found here. Okay, yeah, that's what I was looking for. Okay, uh, so yeah, as far as they know, he was childless. But again, Aragorn came from somewhere and is, has apparently a claim to the throne. Maybe that'll get explained better in uh, a later part of the story because the next book is in fact titled Return of the King. So I think that might have something to do with it. Right. Yeah, no, I, I see. That makes sense. Um, because, right, like the reason that that Aenir and, and the others were king in the first place is because they're part of the lineage of Isildur, which would mean that it, it, it would mean that this king who who left uh, childless, like you're saying, Josh, Josh, must have had a child, unbeknownst to them, right? Because mm-hmm. otherwise, the the bloodline couldn't continue. So, um, yeah, there, there's there's that interesting split there, and um, and I don't know. I really like the way that Boromir and Aragorn kind of personify like their people and like that that schism um faramir has this great 
memory that he shares. He says, um, And this I remember of Boromir as a boy, when we together learned the tale of our sires and the history of our city, that always it displeased him that his father was not king. How many hundreds of years needs it to make a steward a king if the king returns not, he asked. Few years, maybe, in other places of less royalty, my father answered. In Gondor, 10,000 years would not suffice. Alas, mm -hmm. poor Boromir, does that not tell you something of him? Yeah, uh, I think it does. Right, I just really like, I mean, and and it feels kind of tragic. I think the way that Tolkien gives us all this, you know, I kind of think you're meant to have an opinion on Boromir more like Connor's. I kind of think <laughs> that Tolkien writes Boromir in Fellowship where he only gives you the bits where you're going to think like, yeah, this dude is a bit of like a, an asshole, right? Like he, he kind of sucks. And now after his death, Tolkien chooses to flesh out his character a bit more, you know, give you some more relevant pieces of information on like his background, his history, you know, and just speaking for myself, I, I kind of felt sad for Boromir. I think he's a bit of a tragic figure in this light. Uh, but, but we learned that too late, you know. That's that is, of course, the tragedy of it. But but we learn it too late, you know. Yeah. Still can't stand the bastard. <laughs> yeah. Or stupid horn. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, it's like one. Like oh, it doesn't excuse his actions, but like you, we we get more and more reasoning on like why. Yeah. Why he of all of the members of the company like was most susceptible to to desiring the ring, you know. For sure. And and Faramir goes into even more detail. Um. There's there's this other like later later in the chapter, he talks about like how he kind of believes it's a failure of. Uh, men as a whole like as a race um, and he says uh, I have a note here on this passage he says um, what was it uh, the men of Numenor were settled far and wide on the shores and seaward regions of the great lands, but for the most part they fell into evils and follies. Many became enamored of the darkness and the black arts. Some were given over wholly to idleness and ease, and some fought among themselves until they were conquered in their weakness by the wild men. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to find more specific lines, but somewhere, somewhere around there as well, he mentions how like the the men of Numenor and of like the ages past, they they were referred to as like the the high, you know. They they were they were high like in their esteem and their regard. Yeah. And now he says like all men have fallen to like degradation in Middle Earth. Like like the people of Gondor and their noble lineage, he's like, We're no different than the men of Rohan, who who don't have you know that that same history you know but he's like ultimately at this point in 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 our reckoning like all men pretty much suck you know and, and <laughs> it sounds like a know. dang feminist <laughs> Not, <laughs> am i right <laughs> we're talking about men as a race here buddy <laughs> But it's kind of interesting that he's the one delivering this message because I do think it kind of relates to what happened with Boromir 
and and his understanding of it because like you know Faramir is pretty level-headed about the whole thing and we've already said like he's like yeah you know my brother was kind of an ass right um and we kind of see he he sort of has that understanding I think about about like men as a whole as as well um but particularly with his brother because like I, I think he sees that that's like the expectation where he was raised you know Faramir kind of has a a softer heart and he sort of like laments that people don't have like loftier pursuits he says like he says he doesn't want the ring you know because um he he doesn't believe that like fighting and warfare is is worthwhile in like the act of doing it he's like he's like i'll do it as as an end to accomplish something but he's like i take no joy in actually doing it i take no joy in killing people even if they're evil whereas he's like well boromir was kind of raised to love that like boromir was sort of like made to want to do that um so it's like can you fault him in the end for taking the ring i mean yeah i think so still but like you see all the steps over the course of his entire life that led him to that moment you know so there's that yeah and what about the end of his life the the boat and the the horn that faramir yeah conveys to us that was all kind of surreal i think um because we find out it, it sounds like the boat that that they buried him in survived the great falls of uh something uh raros yeah uh isn't that the guy from breath of the wild or tears of the kingdom anyway Rauru. um <laughs> um yeah and they just it just floated down the river half sunk and then faramir heard the horn when boromir was blowing it in fellowship or no beginning of this book right uh and because apparently has this mystic power to uh be heard by any of the men in gondor when blown within its borders or something like that like it's old borders yeah um i don't remember the horn getting uh chopped in two but that's apparently a detail that's I just forgot about in the span of this book. And uh, yeah, it just stops in the river when Faramir wades out to it. And then it goes to Faramir so he can see his brother before continuing on to the ocean. It's just like uh, the boat is kind of sentient, which kind of makes sense because it's made by the elves, but also it's really surreal. Yeah. Yeah. To the point where even Frodo is like, are you sure it wasn't a dream or he's like, you know, maybe it was a vision, you know, and mm-hmm. it you're, you're seeing things that, that maybe haven't happened yet. And, um, Faramir's like, well, no, it, it definitely was because, um, I didn't wake up. Yeah. Right. Um, but it, it does, I, I think surreal is a really good word to sum it up. You're right. Um, it does, it does have, that feeling of, of something that's like kind of ordained or, or faded. I don't want to say like Lothlorien, but it has 
a similar surrealness to it. Yeah. It's different, though, and I can't really put that difference into words. I mean, it makes sense that it'd be connected to that feeling of Lothorian because the boats literally came from there, but it, it also has a difference to it, which is, I guess, what's making it stranger to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a difference in, like, you know, it feels like it feels like this impossible coincidence happened because of their uh, brotherhood, you know? If, if it was just some random guy sitting there by the river, you get the feeling that, like, it wouldn't have played out the same way. But because it was Faramir there, it's like the the wills of the universe, you know, push the boat just a little bit so so he could yep. see. Um, exactly. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe so, obviously. Like, Lord of the Rings is a fantastical kind of world where things like that you know probably can happen and and the characters seem to inter- you know Faramir I think at least seems to interpret it that way you know he he seems to think it was it was some sort of faded moment you know this this wasn't just like oh wow thank god I was by the river you know it was like no like there there were things that that happened to create this moment it was not a coincidence you know in his mind and I think, I think, yeah, just, I, I, I do like that moment. You know, I don't have a lot to say about it, but I do like the way that Boromir is described, especially, like, um, how, you know, using Tolkien's words, I think, like, how fair he looks and how at peace. Um, and thinking about the way that, that Faramir puts it, which is, like, um he died well achieving some good thing and we kind of get that idea too where it's like oh you know Boromir's last act isn't really trying to take the ring it's like defending others you know yep. and I, he, I I do think he we're, we're meant to, to think that he, is, he, he redeems himself um, nah. in death <laughs> and nah. and the other characters and the other characters <laughs> uh, feel that way too you know isn't there someone you forgot to ask, though? <laughs> uh, I'm not interested. It's you know, once once you're drinking straight out of a two liter bottle of Pepsi, I, I don't know. I think your opinion's kind of forfeit, you know. Fair enough. <laughs> so, um, just a few random things. I uh, when when Faramir's talking about like the fall of Numenor and like the, the old race of men, he says, um, you know, it is not, what's this note here? Page 286. Uh, it is not said that evil arts were ever practiced in Gondor or that the nameless one ever named in honor there. And the old wisdom and beauty brought out of the West remain long in the realm of the sons of Elendil the fair and they linger there still. Yet even so, it was Gondor that brought about its own decay, falling by degrees into dotage, and thinking that the enemy was asleep, who was only banished, not destroyed. And so, this is also something we've talked about, but I I like that, like, Faramir is commenting on it and seems to have a pretty clear understanding. And, uh, 
you know, I just just that like Tolkien has given Middle Earth such a rich history, and I just really like that idea of like men being responsible for their own downfall, like in some in you know in some ways if you were going to be really uh i don't know kind of like pedantic and annoying about it it's like where 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 we are reading the story you could even think of it as sort of like a post apocalypse of that previous age you know there was like this really advanced you know like almost utopian sort of like society that existed beforehand and you know middle earth just continues in in the ashes of that you know like all all the like great deeds of history and and all their amazing accomplishments you know everyone's just living in the wreckage these these grand amazing cities Minas Tirith and Minas Ithil and all that like you know ruins yeah right people just live in the accomplishments of uh you know their uh ancestors their ancestors thank you so um you know th- this this is a very like stagnated and and sorrowful time and and people are always you know lamenting and and kind of turning towards the past and Faramir's like yeah you know that's kind of the thing with men we we see that you know time and time again it's like they did it to themselves you know Sa- same thing with a sealed door it's like hey he could have destroyed the ring and none of this shit would have happened it's like you're right but he was of the race of men you know it, it, it is that like constant weakness within themselves that that creates uh, you know these these ongoing issues and, and so the real question like of Lord of the Rings is like can the cycle be broken you know who knows who knows uh, I got a couple stupid go comments. for it go for it Josh I liked that during, when they went to dinner, they had a couple of high chairs set up for the hobbits. <laughs> the barrels, yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, when he's describing the food, he describes that they have good red cheese. And I said, silly Tolkien, cheese is yellow and occasionally blue. Indeed. The only time I've ever seen red cheese is the wax that some cheese comes covered in. That's the only but thing I could think of, too. But that's not cheese. That's wax. I don't know, but I had the exact same thought, Josh. I have edible, no idea though. what it is. <laughs> it is edible. But it's still not cheese. But it's the still cheese that is it's, it's still delicious, though. So You can call it cheese. I'll take your word for it. God, it's, I need to go to bed soon, but I also just want to go to the fridge and just pull out a fistful of shredded cheese to eat. Do it. Now. Cheese party. <laughs> Do it, man. Um, the last note I have is on a line towards the end of the chapter um, where uh, Faramir says uh, where does it start uh, we are truth speakers we men of Gondor we boast seldom and then perform or die in the attempt and I had two thoughts on that First off, it seemed to me that Boromir boasted about everything all the time. <laughs> At every chance he got. Yeah, he does. So that that stood out. Um, second of all, that's exactly what Faramir says to every woman he's ever tried to hit on. 
nice. we both sell them, then we perform or die in the attempt. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still alive, so take with that what you, you will. Mm. Must be a performer then. Yeah. Um, I think the only other thing, I, I, it feels like they're, I don't know. I, I'm still very intrigued by this whole like uh, the the stewards being the kings of uh, Minas Tirith and all that, but I, but I think that's going to be ongoing. I'm not going to harp on that anymore. But but I, I do find that to be a very intriguing idea. I think the only other thing I'd be remiss if I didn't comment on is uh, how many more names did we get for Gandalf in this chapter? Like oh, six, right? Like six yeah, even, fucking names. Even Frodo was like, "Who are you talking about?" And then <laughs> Faramir's like, "Oh, he has he had a few names, like blah 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 blah." blah. Oh, and I think up north they call him Gandalf. Oh, Gandalf. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> right. That was like the last one. He's like, "Oh, you know." And some people say Gandalf. It's like, "Oh shit, Gandalf." Um, he's dead now. <laughs> yeah, we get what is it? It's like the the Gray Pilgrim, and then uh, they call him in like their sort of like half elvish language he's mithrandir i believe um we gotta yeah. add up all the names uh yeah i know i'm it's sure i'm sure there's a list out there probably on the lord of the rings wiki yeah it is funny um but it it, it made me think you know at the beginning of fellowship we kind of get the whole thing with uh Gandalf having to be absolutely sure that the ring that uh, that that Bilbo had is the one ring, and so he leaves for like a fucking decade, and that's you know he's a he's at Gondor, he's at uh, Minas Tirith during that, you know, like and uh, Faramir says like he remembers seeing Gandalf when he was a child, you know. And part of me wondered, is that the same moment? Because we know how long the hobbits lived for, and we're not really sure how old Faramir is, but like, let's say Faramir is like 30 or so, he, and he might even be younger than that, you know, who knows? Let's say he's like a solid, th or you know what? I don't know, people live for a long time in Lord of the Rings, so I don't fucking know. But, <laughs> but you know, regardless, it's like Gandalf was there long enough ago, I wonder if, like, some of the memories that, that Faramir has recollecting of Gandalf is, like, when Gandalf was there trying to find information on the One Ring, you know? And so it's kind of funny that, um, that he brings it up, because when you first get Gandalf telling you all that shit, that's, like, one of those Tolkien passages where he's just giving you names after names after names, and none of it has any context, and it's just washing over you, and you're like, I have no fucking idea what you're talking about. And so it's funny to be at this point in the story, and I was like, oh, all this shit that Faramir is saying is, like, what Gandalf was trying to explain at the beginning of Fellowship, you know, about, like, his journey to, to get all the information on the One Ring. That yep. was Minas Tirith. That was where Faramir is from and Boromir and all that, you know? And so it's it's funny to be feeling more familiar with the interconnectivity the more we read, even though it's, it's still kind of a lot, oh, you know? It is a lot, yeah. I think we'll be saying it's a lot even when we finish Fel uh, Return of the King. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, it's all there. All right, uh... I, I think that's all I wanted to say on these chapters. I say that like it was less than usual. I mean, it was still a lot. Um, still we'll talk a whole two hours. 
Yeah, it's still a little damn lot. Trust me. I know, guys. Um, anything well, else news, you want to mention? Yes, we Josh. have We have fewer pages to read up ahead. So I was just checking uh, a moment ago. We have uh, uh, three more weeks of, of, uh, of reading to do before we finish this book. And gotcha. okay. less than 100 pages by my count for total. Uh, seeing as the last four or five readings have been... 40 to 50 pages or more uh, between the two chapters. This is, these should go by pretty quick, I hope. Well, yeah. We will we will see, and we will definitely be talking about how we feel about those yep. as, as we go on. So uh, let's find out together, chumps. Sounds like a plan. Um, you can... Get more chapter chumps at patreon.com slash chapter chumps. So much cool stuff going on over there. Uh, You'll be shocked. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chapter chumps pod. Um, Tweet at us. You can email us at chapter chumps pod at gmail.com. And most importantly, until next time. Be sure to check out the Green Dudes pod, which Connor was updating while we were podcasting today. Thank you, Josh, for the promo. <laughs> That's uh, funny. Please, please do that. The only Green Day podcast that matters. Don't be a tater hater. Hell, hell, hell no. Hell no. <laughs>